So hi, uh, my name is Sasha. I'm Mark of Victory on all social media channels. Uh, I'm running this Flesh and Blood podcast that's yet to be named. Uh, today, I'm my very first guest, Luke Badger. You may know him as the champion of the world premiere. If you don't, I don't know what you've been doing. Like, uh, get a newspaper or something. Luke, would you mind introducing yourself? Thanks, Sasha. Yep, um, I'm a budding flesh and blood player from Auckland, New Zealand. Um, very much enjoyed playing around with the um, IRA deck and was very fortunate to get a good result at the world premiere there. And I've really just been spending the last few weeks with a few mates just getting into the cards and taking a closer look. And uh, you're really looking forward to um, the sealed 10K coming up in Auckland in a few days. Oh, um, yeah, I'm so hyped for the event in Auckland. Like, how many of your buddies are going? Like, I'm from Australia, by the way, uh, and Luke is from New Zealand. He's home turf, so he's got a bit of an advantage. <laughs> um, I, I think I've got uh, like four or five guys into the game, and uh, Philip, Andy, and Jay will all be attending. Two others are a maybe, and one other is a can't make can't make it just yet. So, got a got a good little crew of of keen keen pundits. Are you going to call the guy out who can't make it? Name and shame? No, I would not <laughs> do that. Poor, poor James would just be devastated if I was to... Poor to James. Out, so, yeah. <laughs> I would not do I love it. Uh, is that how you got into the game? Did you guys find out about it together? or? Um, no, I, was, I kind of heard about it um, through... Uh, I used to play in tournaments um, specifically World of Warcraft TCG that were run by James White um, the CEO at Legend Story Studios so I saw him floating around on social media and actually um, went onto their um, went onto their uh, Legend Story Studios website and I had to click through a few of the tabs including one that said careers and my eyes lit up <laughs> and then so I just reached out to him to see uh, to talk about what they were doing and how, how far along they were and um, he said I'll come along to an investment pitch that we've got coming up so I put my head in there and yeah it was really cool to, to see what, what they've got going on and recognise a few other faces in the meeting and yeah it was really exciting what they're hoping to do with the game I was um, I was sold on the spot and if I didn't have crippling credit card debt I would have supported and backed them on the spot so uh, it was it was good to see they um like obviously had a really specific vision for how the game would play out but it was also the sort of the high level stuff that really impressed me like um, just they're doing things a bit different in terms of distribution um, in terms of you know uh, channels and um, they seemed to have a really good idea of what they were targeting and how they were going to progress well with the game so yeah it was really exciting and uh, I walked away with an IRD and uh, showed some mates and we gave it a crack and yeah turned up to the event and was able to play play a whole fistful of games it was great fun that's excellent these guys are i do have to agree really have been around the block and do know what they're doing in terms of execution i think uh, everyone who's even gotten slightly close to them have been uh, flawed and impressed yeah, very, very impressed. It was great to walk through the studio and just see some of the art on the wall and, um, you know, even just 
like the, they had this big uh, metal printing template that had been sent over from the printers that was that was really cool as well and uh, now they've really got every sort of detail covered and even there's even been a few things that have come up just through that IRA experience where I've been like oh not so sure about this only to find out a bit further down the track that ah that's actually awesome or brilliant so it's been um, yeah it's been, it's been really good so far we certainly wish them all the best and I'll be there on uh, on Sunday trying to trying to win a few games although based on our play testing I'm not expecting that to happen <laughs> I think your history uh, precedes anybody else in the competitive stance so uh, you've got nothing to worry about <laughs> <laughs> well look if we if at the last minute we switch the format to Iridex I will be my confidence will will jump don't worry about that oh did you not hear the top 8 is all Ira is it oh good oh that's great yeah well if I if I get into top 8 then I'll have a have a sniffing chance yeah hopefully that's not a big if (laughs) (laughs) draft uh, well there's going to be there's going to be hundreds of players I mean there better be hundreds of players I sure hope so if there's not hundreds of players please edit that part out but um, (laughs) it'd be yes (laughs) six people showed up and I made top 8 by default Um, no you can't you can't assume anything I mean there's already there's already a lot of. I mean, it's, it's, yes, it's, it's phenomenally skill intensive, I think, but there's still just a large amount of a large amount of variance. And a couple of the games that I won at the World Premier were as a result of that variance. I was right behind and, um, Matt from Card Merchant. He was well in control, and then he just drew into a hand of oh, something like lunge press. Yeah, yeah lunging press, lunging press, springboard head jab right and I was well on the back foot and I was able to just start the next turn with four cards in my hand and the poor old Matt didn't, wasn't able to recover from that so there's it's a card game I mean you know you, it's highly random and um, and also I'm just I don't really like part of the reason I do well with IRA is I put a bit of time into trying to understand the system and, and kind of solve it and then of course you've got perfect information about what your opponents have so it's a very very controlled and fine sort of you know play space whereas these four sealed classes i i kind of know what some of the good stuff is um but no it's it's anybody's anybody's got a chance of going through and i'm uh, I'd, I'd love to make top eight but i'm not even expecting to have a winning record to be honest <laughs> but hopefully it goes well you are the most modest champion I've ever met, as I have to say. <laughs> You're just setting our expectations or lowering them just so that you can just floor us on the day. Let's be real. No, Come on. <laughs> I'm doing that because people go to that article and see me smiling at them with my thumbs up. I honestly, I was pretty, I was, I was pretty lucky. How, how did you compose yourself and uh, did you have any other memories throughout the day other than beating Matt Rogers? Because beating Matt Rogers is a highlight, I have to say. Just for any yeah, human that, being, <laughs> any task. <laughs> there was, um, the day itself, um, no, I was totally buzzing. Like I, I thought, I felt like going into it, I was like, well, I probably have as good a chance as anyone, if not better, but that's still probably a, like if there's 120 players and a whole bunch of people have half a percent chance and 
then a whole other bunch have a one percent chance. I thought maybe I, I was sitting there with like a two percent chance. So I felt like I had a better chance than anyone, maybe even anyone else. But <laughs> it's still it's still only a really small number. So I, I couldn't believe that I made it that far. And then when they got to the top eight and they said the final's going to be on camera, my heart sank because I knew right then I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to make it to the final and I'm going to lose on camera. <laughs> That's a great follow up because <laughs> my, my next question was going to be. Uh, how was it like sitting down and playing the last uh, match because it was a thousand dollars or nothing essentially yeah yeah well i mean my hands uh i felt good i felt like i'd been playing well so i felt like it would be a close game but my hands were just shaking the whole time that's why i think in the final footage it shows one fate one clip of me and then about 20 extended minutes of um Bowden because i was just the whole time my hands were just shaking like a leaf so they had to edit it all out um but it was it was good. I felt uh, we as we as we're playing, sort of chatting about some of the decisions that we're making, um, and for so just the way it seemed to go, I was well on the front foot in both games, and it wasn't at no point that I have to really feel particularly nervous just because the way it went. I think Bowden went first in both cases, and I prob I think probably the going second is the stronger position there. I'm not sure whether he just hadn't caught onto that yet, or he wanted to win with style points, but. Um, oh, so he elected to go first. On both he did. Counts. Yeah, and I didn't even say, are you sure, when he said that. Wow, that's quite interesting. I'm, I'm very much in the stance that going second is uh, much more opportunistic and like, advantageous. It, it seemed it seemed that way with the IRA deck, at least, especially when um, such a you know big chunk of the deck is Scar for a Scar. And at 20 health as well. Yeah, yeah, so it was really... Just in a bit of our testing, we found that you know just, just turning on their scarf for a scarf for not much else gain was not really <laughs> not really worth it. Yeah, is that an, uh, a cheap little Arsenal play? That's all I found as well. Wasn't really substantial. Yeah, exactly. Now you want to set yourself up to be the first person to attack from the Arsenal, and I think that's a a good way to look at it. Is if you're forced to go first. Yeah, but I'm not sure that's necessarily true. Um, through all of sealed as well uh, i think maybe there could be chances where going first is relevant especially if you're thinking that you've got a, a build or a matchup that might fatigue out to the end sometimes you can get away with just four cards out of their hand for not too much oh uh, absolutely too i much think cost, so. i think ira is a different animal entirely like um in sealed you have the option of uh, playing like sigil of solace first so that you can just gain some extra life there yeah. before they even damage you like um, there are a lot of different options yeah no for sure for sure what about you what did you think you actually you made the trip over for the uh, for the tournament i didn't get to meet you in the top eight i'm sorry about that session but, i did uh, uh, unfortunately i missed on breakers but uh and i was there for another event as well oh, nice. uh, yeah it, it was a great weekend it was actually quite surreal um, listening to James' speech uh, at the players meeting it, it felt like we were all part of something very very special <clears throat> but um, you're lucky I didn't make a big list what do you think about the idea of uh, a separate learn to play deck sort of experience for for both in terms of playing but also from a storefront point of view just being able to hand them out left right and center i think it's great because you can kind of control the amount of complexity like a new player is confronted with and it's actually a designed experience it's not just some random mishmash of things that you don't know what the new player's first experience is going to be like so it's, it's very good 
Uh, you get all the mechanics, you get to know how to go wide, you know how to do a lot of damage, you learn the value of blocking, you learn the value of arsenal. I, I think they did quite a good job with Ira. The only thing is, I wish Ira was a young hero, just explicitly so they could get that um, out of the door straight away. That would be my only criticism. Oh, okay, right, yeah, I hadn't even picked up on that. Um, I think I, I think the hero deck, the Ira hero, is a great way to do it as well because then it means they can make the starter decks a bit more chunky and a bit more intricate, and you don't have to dumb down your introductory product. That's that actually can't be played in a constructed event. Well, you could turn up with those decks and replace, you know, chuck in a few more combo cards or put in your mythic rear, the majestic rear that you got, and yeah, you can actually you, you could do well with those. So, um, it's, think- I think it's good they separate them out. Yeah, do you think any cards in the Iron deck are too powerful to see um, print? Or... Um, uh, oh, I don't know, I guess, I guess Torrent of Tempo is, is the 1 for 5 conditional go again. Um, that's probably on par with a few other bits and pieces we've seen. I'm not sure what rarity it would sit at, but it was probably one of the stronger cards. Um, do you think it's crazy know. how Scar for a Scar was printed, or...? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome. I just love that it comes in, comes in three colors. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you think the other two colors are better or worse? Or um, it was interesting that when they talk, when they introduced the cycles concept, they talked about for scar for a scar, ninety-five percent of tournament play will only see one color. But, um, but I think the, I, I mean, the red scar is obviously wonderful, um, but it'll if you're just looking for zero cost potential go again the yellow may squeeze in and i think and you previously mentioned that even the blue blue is actually fine in ninja because if you're behind it gives you that go again it just does everything you want it to do you can discard it to the power you can um it sits in the pitch and gives uh and gives your um Kadachi's go again so you know it's not like it's automatically a worse version of it it just might be more situational yeah it still might be a 90% 10 split but at least it's like a card that you consider right you pick it up and look at it and go oh could this work I'll, I'll try it out so i think they've done that i think they've done that really well yeah i think uh, when we uh chatted previously that uh, we were at the kind of conclusion that every single variation of card has a home and they're not strictly worse or better than each other yeah with the exception of the following four cards <laughs> no I don't know I think <laughs> I think I think you're right each one will find their niche I'm still trying to I'm still trying to work out how Sigil of Solace at Blue is good um, it's a zero but, drop that pitches and uh, if you're on the draw you can gain extra life on the first one. yeah I'm still trying to work out how Sigil of Blue Sigil of Solace is good <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it's good it's uh it could see play I can see a potential home for it <laughs> um one theory I've I've heard from um, a source which shall not be named uh, is that it's actually decent and brute because you can control. Yes, yes, the I think discard uh, effect a bit more. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, actually kind of nice. So it's like a way of pitching it without actually paying for something, which is kind of nice. The thing with, I found with brute though is that usually your your turns where you quote unquote go off and do a lot of damage you need to discard two cards so you need four cards in hand or you need to set up by arsenal well you, with brute you need four cards in hand one card in the arsenal and two others up your sleeve and hope that the judge isn't standing close I mean it's <laughs> you've got 
it's there's so much going on with that class and yeah there's there's no way you want to be trying to work out how you're going to get your breakneck battery to trick a go again at two cost and still think oh at least i can pitch this <laughs> this card for one half. <laughs> uh, uh, but i could be very wrong and i feel like it might be a little bit late to put in a full disclaimer but we have no like well you probably do I have no idea what I'm talking about like I've had a lot of fun playing with the cards testing them out um, there's just so much space that I just have absolutely no idea about but I'm just going to talk as if I've like I'm, I'm going to talk as if I know what I think I know and that's it and you can take it with a pinch of salt in fact you should you might even be more wise to just completely disregard it altogether um, but yeah like it I, I, we have we have no idea. We've played a couple of games here and there, so um, but it's fun to it's fun to speculate. Absolutely, I, I don't think anyone can actually claim they're an expert other than the developers. So and that's kind of the fun, right? Like we're on this journey of discussing and trying to figure out what's good and what's bad and like what's hypothetically like um, better. Like uh, it, it's really like part of the fun, I think. That's like the most fun. Yeah, and we're once so the, lucky to be part of the solved. Yeah. <laughs> Once the format's solved, we'll just all quit. Oh, the, the format solving itself is kind of cool based off how um, the heroes get banned after worlds every year. Yeah, that's interesting, eh? Um, I'm guessing with worlds, like, will all th- do we know if all three sets, all three sets will be out for worlds, or will it just be two sets? I think at least two. I'm not exactly sure on the date of the third. Assume, let's say assuming it was three um, then and assuming that across all that we get three the block contains three sets and that each set contains four heroes and that all four heroes each time represent different classes we're looking at 12 classes at four of, you know at the most yeah at the most and maybe they do something funky with his eight and then two get some love I, I don't know but it's probably fair to assume 12 at this stage um, you know you have your world champs and then let's say conservatively conservatively only four classes represented in the top eight that's a pretty big it's a pretty big deal like that's you lose those four classes but I guess it doesn't like it doesn't kick in until like the next world champs or something or the end of the next block so it's a bit of a cool down period yeah I think I don't know the details of that but it's an interesting interesting idea those specialization cards may dip slightly in value when, <laughs> when that happens yeah, uh, there'll be like this fluctuating rotation where they um, dip and then spike. So um, maybe the majestic non-specialization is actually much more valuable than we think. Yeah, yeah, that could be the case. Um, what they also what they also could do something sneaky like you know Rhino specialization required. Well, it just so happens that a new brute who comes out as Rhino the accountant or Rhino <laughs> the candlestick maker or something, and then he's <laughs> he can still play the specialization, but he's not technically the same hero that's been banned. So it'd be really cool if there was like a shapeshifter class or some impersonator class, and they could use any specialization. Yeah, they can only play specialization cards. Okay. <laughs> Got to wait till block 84 until they can register a legal deck. What happens if they win? Uh, all specialization cards banned? Or? No, just that one here. Just that one here, and you've got to wait another six years to do it again. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, who, who knows? Um, so, what are, any, any other sort of takeaways from the IRA? experience that you wanted to that you wanted to touch on i thought 120 was a pretty good turnout i thought for a introductory oh yeah it was more than 120 they had to turn people away that's absurd Mm. like uh it's great for them it's great for them uh the only other takeaway is that uh the game's great 
Like, uh, it's simple to learn how to master. What else do you really want? And it's lower variance than any other game that I've played. Yep, well, I'd agree with, I'd agree with all those. Yep, I very much enjoyed it. And especially, this, what, what did surprise me is that the IRX, the game was already, like, quite crunchy. And it's you've, you're having to make some pretty crunchy decisions with every decision you make to block including like planning what happens next turn and then with the higher experience you've got you know exactly what your opponent's playing so that adds more to what you have to think about and would and but i really enjoyed that and what that kind of surprised me because my style of play is has always very much been just like lean back in the chair turn a couple of resources sideways chuck a card down well we'll do this one we'll do that one and i've always been sort of a play by feel kind of player which is why both i love playing and have also never won anything major um but it was really um, you have won something that, major sorry to interrupt it was really interesting to see that I actually just really enjoyed that more crunchy analytical, analytical experience and so yeah I, I really and I because I kind of thought maybe I wouldn't and I was really a bit worried that okay this this, this system's pretty tight and it's pretty crunchy I'm not sure if I'll find this fun but I loved it and and having played it with the sealed deck stuff really enjoying them enjoying the gameplay so um, yeah it's cool man can you uh, help me describe what do you mean by crunchy like uh, my kind of understanding is uh, that down to the wire like a little bit nerve wracking is that kind of what you mean no more more like um, like a heavy cognitive load so when my brain is trying to work out what the best thing to do is it sort of starts to slow down and it's trying to work out a couple of different options and then it sees another option and it says hang on a second i'm still trying to work through this other option shut up brain and i find that although the numbers are quite small you're dealing with you know zeros ones twos and threes um all the permutations that come through from sequencing to make sure that you're going to get the most damage out of your hand on your turn uh, but then also realizing hang on my opponent's putting threats on the table he's he's just played um blistering uh, bittering thorns he's played bittering thorns and i've got four cards in my hand on my turn if he does nothing i can do this damage with the four cards that's great but hang on i can use i like let me see if i can actually play all these four cards first oh actually probably can't okay bittering thorns plus one hmm, i'm just gonna chuck out my flying kick and block that awesome that stops his plus one trigger okay that's good and i can still do something awesome with these three cards awesome and then he plays something else oh okay i really don't want to do that because it's gonna i can't really okay I'll, my next turn's not going to be very good because i need to stop doing that and then i'll just uh put something in my arsenal next turn and stab for one that's okay so it's just that sort of every time they do something you need to reevaluate what your hand could be doing on the next turn and i find that crunchy and i'm sure a lot of players will find they'll probably find that quite intuitive and natural and um i don't know if you noticed at the tournament one of my one of our fellow top eight um brethren was that the young the young fella was it connor is he a young dude uh i've got, I've got him on the corner no connor no connor's 28 asher asher <laughs> 14 if you watched him play he obviously didn't he does no one told him it's a crunchy game because his turns take about 12 seconds and then just mashed face all the way to the top eight so obviously it's not some people um you know it's just find it a bit or just see it in a different way but for me i was just 
just every time someone plays a card, I'm like, oh, here we go, <laughs> crunch, crunch, crunch. So that's what I mean by crunchy. Is, is that your experience, or is it just like second nature, having sort of played more sort of high-level magic stuff? Uh, for me, uh, it kind of felt like second nature. Um, it was more getting used to the artwork, because I don't actually read the cards. I just uh, kind of memorize it once and just use the artwork as reference. Yep. Uh, I accidentally played uh, a Torrent of Tempo that I thought was a Scarf or a Scarf, so that was a big mistake. <laughs> oh, but did you have floating resources to pay for it? Oh, uh, no, no, I couldn't cast it. I thought it, uh, it was like uh, just for zero. So I was like, oh, whoops, oh, okay. I guess I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> they didn't enforce that you uh, meet the cost by... Because I think the correct order is you do that, you put it down, and then you meet the cost from your hand. Oh, no, no, I, I had uh, nothing left. It was played for my arsenal. Oh, uh, okay, sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, whoops. Um, I, I'm sure they wouldn't have enforced it anyway to had to learn to play tournament. Uh, yeah, I just couldn't cast it. Just stayed in the arsenal. Um, yeah, I, I kind of really enjoyed this phenomenon that I, I kind of chase in games, which is like a, it's kind of like an out of body experience. You get really nervous, and you are doing like those calculations in your head, and you're kind of trying to factor everything in. Uh, and, and this happens a lot in this game because it's very common for both of you to be at very low life titles, especially in one apiece. Mm. And uh, just sneaking in and just finding the challenge of how do you put that last piece of damage through, especially in sealed. Uh, I'm not sure if you've played any constructed, but uh, where a lot of the attacks don't do way more than you can block for. Like an Ira is specifically designed, I've noticed, that the cards do more damage than you can block, so the game has progression and it can actually finish. Like, yeah. Um, whereas uh, seal and constructive, you have armor to kind of mitigate that, and you can kind of choose when you take the damage. Yeah, and even though you've got, you've picked up four or five great cards and twelve or thirteen great support cards, they're just there's just going to be times when it's just not going to gel the way you want it to. Yeah, exactly. With the high uh, size of the decks, like when you draw, if you run six potions and you draw four potions, your your turn's going to be pretty bad. Yeah, if you run six potions, your deck is going to be pretty bad. Well, I don't know, Crazy Brew is a good card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just scares me. Every time I draw a potion, I'm just like, what? No, there's no number in the bottom right-hand corner. What is going on with this card? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't yeah. wait for our scab skin leathers to just like drop a few potions every turn. Like, who cares? Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be crazy. Yeah, as long as you don't roll a one. Ah, never roll a one. What are you talking about? <laughs> Actually, one of my superpowers is rolling dice, so I should just try and play Brute. Although, after complaining about being crunchy before, Brute is just like the crunchiest of the crunch because... Funnily enough, every... right? It actually is. Like, you'd expect it to be the most brain dead, just like swing the club and be done, but it's actually... That's what I thought a... it was! I played a SEAL tournament the other day, and then I just hadn't... It was my first time playing anything other than Ira, and I sit down like, oh, I've got three Brute Rears, okay, I can make... Well, I'll just do Brute, because that's obviously just like the, the aggro, brain dead, chuck the cards out class. I don't want to play this Guardian, because I don't know how to do the tempo thing, and I'll miss sequence with my ninja, and then getting good ninja rears, and the, this warrior thing is all on the weapon, that's that's too confusing. I'll just play good old simple run-of-the-mill brute <laughs> and about 40 seconds into game one I was just like what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can totally relate to that. It is, I found it easy to be the most complete class. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also tantalizing. It's like if it's hard to play it's probably hard to block against so what can we... Uh, Especially when you take like half a hand. <laughs> yeah I do love that. I the you know if you get onto your second or third intimidate that always feels amazing and then you're like yes i hit you for 
nine and we'll hit you for 11 and you can only block three that's rad and then they start the turn with three cards in hand and like what yeah I've you ca- shouldn't have those cards in your hand i just hit you for 11 totally i found it kind of counterintuitive you're, you're not really uh, attacking their hand or forcing them to block which is kind of what you want to do you want them to be down resources yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of interesting but it does i think i think the trick with Brut is just just don't ever, don't ever block <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like no, <laughs> you've got three turns. You've got three turns to get me to zero. I'm not blocking anything, unless you literally can't use the card. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, even then, put it in arsenal. Try to use it later. <laughs> yeah, it's um, which I guess maybe does meet the brute um theme a little bit. It's like I don't care. I don't care if you're going to come back to back to my face with cards. You're just you're taking damage. And you're going to take damage next turn of the turn after that, and we're going. To, one of us is going to be dead within the first four minutes. Yeah, I'm really excited to see some brute combo decks in constructed if they ever make the uh, light of day. <laughs> well, it's um, the brute combo decks and seal that you've got to look out for. I was playing at um, at that sealed tournament. I was doing very well, and I got to made it to the last round. And um, the gentlemen from Legend Story Studios were joining on in the tournament which was totally fine we thought it was a great idea and it's a good chance to play against some better players um, and yes they are better players <laughs> on on turn like I set my stuff up and on turn two I bet I hit Jason I was like oh yeah this is a good combo but I did two things on my turn hit him for 10 damage and he didn't block I'm just like this is it these boys are about to learn that you don't mess with the guy who won the IRA championship tournament (laughs) this guy's gonna rage quit and walk out the door anyway next turn with a seal deck he hits me for 24 on a five chain combo and brood that's beautiful that's that's gruesome (laughs) and don't even ask me how I did it because the counselling session has effectively removed all memory of that turn so yeah but there was a quicken token there was a something that pumped to give it go again there was a scar for a scar which i triggered um there was a rare which drew him a card because it had the club swing yeah and so i managed to block like two things and then i swing in next turn i'm on two and he's like oh block deal two damage to you with my rare (laughs) (laughs) reckless swing there you go i was like like, okay i've learned my lesson But I still got six packs, so that was that was worth it. Oh, that's amazing! Have you cracked anything good? Are you chasing anything? Or? Um, I haven't actually been paying uh, really attention to the sum total. I've actually been I've individually sleeved every pack, so I've purchased a box and got the six packs from the sealed, and and then the six packs as prizes, and I've sleeved and stamped every card every pack so we've so I've got a box of 36 packs that I can just make sealed pulls with and we can test and play with so it's been the main focus um I've got a oh, I've got an enlightened strike um that's about it how do you rate enlightened strike do you think the card is um, hype or just underrated uh, and, um no it's got a bad I mean it has to be the best card in the set doesn't it I mean it's just you can play three of in every deck um, you probably don't necessarily want to play it in Guardian, but it probably wouldn't be out of place in Guardian. Um, it just seems just seems really flexible. Zero for five. You have to get rid of a card, but you know it might be 
it just seems, it just seems fine. It seems, it seems really good. It seems, seems awesome. You can't fault it at all. <laughs> no, maybe if it healed you one, but you know, it's no sigil of solace. But or uh, hard offender. <laughs> that's i don't know i hope that card turns out to be the most broken card in the game i don't know how i just hope it does we're, we're on the journey there. we're on the journey on the journey yeah um the the other i mean it's yeah, generic majestic um seems like it should just be um, very sought after um time of Feyendale, the other generic majestic that's a little bit more interesting it kind of seems like maybe it's will have its home in Brute, which kind of seems a bit... I would say the same thing, yeah. Counterintuitive, but... Yeah. Yeah, just to excuse me from while I rip the guts out of this beast and mash you with the tree trunk, I'm just going to go and read up on this ancient knowledge in the libraries of Solana, but it's fine. It was all forecast, I think. Uh, the Brute specialization is him planning things out. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> right, the reason he's so good at mashing faces is because he's very carefully been sketching his plans into sand the night before. Exactly. We're, we're, we're not giving him enough credit, I think. That's true. Yeah, we. That's. I mean, that's probably more prejudice on our part, I suppose. I bet you nobody's asked him for his backstory. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went to Harvard, guys. Come on. Yeah, yeah oh, fair man. enough. Um, so, what's uh, what's your schedule then for this this ten k? You you gonna make your way over? Yes. So uh, I'm flying in right after work on the Friday evening, and then I think I get in just after midnight. So that's um, you know desirable for a human being. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm gonna wake up early, and then I'm gonna play the practice event at Hobby Master. Hopefully, nice. I get all my losses out of the way there. Maybe learn something, or maybe not. And then, you know, go to business on the Sunday. Like, uh, hopefully, two hundred other people will do as well. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Should be good. And um, are you leaning toward like what class are you hoping hoping to open a solid pool for? Uh, anything that has the the phrase "go again." <laughs> right. I think it's actually just the most important thing in limited. Right. Yeah. If you're not playing a go again deck, you're playing some very very slow guardian deck where you're just blocking and trying to swing the hammer. I think. Right. So ninja or ninja or ninja then. Uh, ninja. Uh, I got I played Ninja one sealed pool. You very specifically need the combos, otherwise you're not outputting enough damage. I think that I think if you've got some good red attacks, you can make up for that slightly. But you definitely want to be you want to get a couple of couple of combo finishes. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I just think the two Kadachi really is really strong. I, I agree, uh, but Ninja is twofold. You need the the combo chains, and you also need a high density zero drop cards. Yeah, I haven't found that to be too problematic when trying to build. Looking at Ninja pools, there seems to be a few floating around. Okay, everybody, let's force Ninja and <laughs> make the top. <laughs> we figured it out. Um, but yeah, I think all the classes are viable, which is a good thing. I think yeah, definitely, definitely a good thing. <clears throat> They're definitely fun to, definitely fun to, to build, and it's been what's been really good is to see how important your supporting suite of generics is. Like you can open a few of those guardian rears, super rears, majestics, <clears throat> but if you don't actually have enough of the 
you know, blue, blue generics to support it, you actually may not be able to run the list. And same with Ninja. It doesn't matter what your combo finishes are if you don't have supporting chains and then plenty of zero costs and generic. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough as well. I agree. I actually think um, following your Majestics or Super Rays is actually a trap. I don't think they're indicative of creating a, new, a good deck. I think they just slot into an already good deck. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, no, I think, and especially in Flesh and Blood, right? Like in Magic or WoW TCG, you want to drop that the bomb. four cost bomb or that five cost bomb, and you want to hit that card as soon as you possibly can, and you want to play it every drop on every game, and then that single play, you'll ride that to victory. Yeah. Whereas it doesn't actually matter if it doesn't matter if you get a crippling crush as much. Yes, okay, if you can somehow find seven to pay for it, you're going to do more damage than any other card in the set. That's great. But you get to do that once. And you might have had to toss it out to block the turn before, maybe. Um, and you know, you might not even you might not see it in the first four or five turns of the game. So and even and even if a goal it all goes perfectly according to plan. It just does its things once, and it doesn't impact turn five and turn six and turn seven and turn eight the same way that bombs and other card games do. I mean, we had in World of Warcraft, we had one set where there was a priest rare, and it was a uh, it was like a an ongoing ability or a permanent, which you just like pay X to mill X uh, yeah. to discard the top cards of their deck. And if you in World of Warcraft, your your deck was thirty cards, and if you couldn't draw at the start of your turn, when you had to draw, you lost the game. Just like as we're all so familiar with other games. And so that limit, that format was just all about opening that card. Okay, play this on turn two, go. Turn three, melee three. Turn four, melee four. Turn five, melee five. Turn six, melee six. Can you? Okay, well done. <laughs> Let's go. And so the, it's so clear that just the nature of the game itself lends itself towards those, those limited formats so much more. And the idea of a bomb is probably not as, as impactful. The, the exception probably is bomb equipment. I Let's face it, forget that. If you get the ninja mask, just be able to go Kodachi, Kodachi, play anything. It's probably just really, really strong. Um, or, you know, getting the scabs skin leathers and hitting multiple actions. Well, although if you roll a six, I don't know, I don't even know how you play th three cards on a turn with the brute to hit, do three things on a turn. But um, yeah, like those legendary equipment probably are, would be highly impactful, but with one at every one at every four boxes it's just um yeah one person can ride at the top eight there's still room for this the seven rest of us exactly uh i i do agree that um the concept of a bomb doesn't exist because there's no recurring factor which is what um exists in other games like um your mill priest card and then magic has been a slew of them as well they're just uninteractive and just win the game on their own mm. which is not fun and there are other things i don't think it's reiterated but um the game is interactive every possible turn which is beautiful like um your crunch um mentality it, it's fully there you will have to think every turn which is great it's a good thing yeah, yeah i think so it keeps you well, you're well engaged and um no, it's it's brilliant what do you think about running more than 30 30 cards because the the strong logic for not doing so in 
magic and wow is for all the reason we just explained because you want to hit your best cards as soon as possible and you because you're drawing basically one card a turn there's no way you want to spend an extra three turns getting to that best card but we've just talked about that not being as prevalent in this and given that you can fatigue out at the end of the game on these tight matchups what's your thought theory about running 34 cards in a in a seal pool is it still technically a bad idea or is it or is it only a tiny tiny bad idea outweighed by the benefit of maybe getting one more turn Uh, from my perspective you want your deck to be as small as possible to increase the consistency and uh, have the averages be as maximized as possible so the second you introduce the 31st card your averages in certain areas dip and maybe increase others let's say you add another blue card that I pitched for three or maybe you have a higher density of uh, combo cards for ninja and you just want to play them all and then you just have two good generics like that you just choose not to play like um i i, I see the merit in it but uh something about it just feels off to me <laughs> like uh, if I'm you're really worried does, about i'm not saying it doesn't feel off <laughs> yeah i'm just wondering if it might be a thing um and what feels you know it feels even more off what? losing when you've got no cards in your deck that feels even more off <laughs> yeah I, I, I hate that <laughs> uh, I, I think yeah, maybe it's more prevalent in a higher level play because whenever I've played against uh, someone who's equal skill uh, the game tends to be longer I've noticed so mm. maybe it actually is um, a good thing to do maybe it's just maybe there's exceptions in each case it's like if you've got you've got a solid guardian pool you actually just need two more blues um, yeah like exactly you, you cut, need that you average to reds. Up. Yeah. yeah maybe you could cut two reds but actually the reds you've got are actually just really good and you so just i'll just i'll play 32 and now now i'm running 14 blues instead of 12 or something like that yeah i'm not going to take um, or advise that these answers are gospel you've definitely given a, a very interesting topic to think about and i might actually write an article on this this is actually something good to analyze well you better credit me for it come on that's uh, that's all my idea oh no this is all being edited out in post thank you so much for it. <laughs> <laughs> fashion's random musings to himself <laughs> see Welcome you even gave the podcast. title thank you so much again <laughs> <laughs> solo solo musings um Cool, cool. What are you, uh, did you want to have a, a look at some of the cards? Any, any sort of cards caught your eye, or do you want to leave that for another day? Um, uh, I'm happy to uh, maybe discuss maybe your hot take of what you think is underrated, what do you think is overrated, and maybe we can have an in-depth look at the full spoiler at another time. What do you think? Well, it's tough to... That sounds like good idea. Um, it's tough to talk about what's underrated or overrated because I haven't really heard many people rate things. Um, the... Uh, a mate of mine I did see on Facebook was saying this card's great it's really underrated and I rate it as my favourite card in the set so I thought well, it's probably not <laughs> underrated it's probably not underrated because I rate it I rate it personally rate it really highly um, but yeah well let's I mean let's look at that I I love uh, Sink Below just seems seems great that's probably my Ira Ira bias coming through but the red Sink Below been able to block at no cost on the defense reaction window and blocking for four sounds great um the iridic had springboard somersault which would block for two from the hand or four from the arsenal and when you block from four from the arsenal with that card it was brilliant and it was in that particularly that matchup maybe it's not as great and sealed but the idea of just 
blocking at instant speed from the hand for four. It's just going to be really good against um, against Warrior. Um, and if you can get it in the arsenal, obviously it's a great addition against um, any Dominate powers. Um, having said that, the that's also got a bit of a recycling power on as well, which is really nice. Um, I don't think I like the blue Sigblow really much at all. Um, maybe I'd play it if I had if I had to, but just if that number four in the bottom right-hand corner um, is very attractive to me. The only thing that might count against it is it's red, and maybe you actually just don't have space to run like a lot of red defense reactions. But maybe for you know, if it's a control deck or a timeout trying to get them to the end of the road then maybe maybe it is um, sufficient but I really liked uh, that card yeah uh, I think it's quite an interesting card and just to follow up I think the blue sink below might be just for limited purposes only for like Ninja for example you just want the blue um, zero drop yep like they, I don't yeah. think all the cards have to be necessarily built for constructed which is interesting and you probably still play it um, you probably still play it in Ninja um, for limited and you probably play it in Guardian against Warrior it's probably not a bad option in Guardian against Warrior as well just for just because you don't mind having the blue and being able to stop a trigger pump uh, is good I mean that'll that'll hit that'll stuff up 30% of their instant plans so it's probably not bad there as well um, but other than that I've um, been having a bit of fun with Red Pummel um, out of the arsenal and Guardian that's great I just love playing I know it's awesome to make the discard a card but I just like playing <laughs> it on the hammer uh, they go from thinking they're taking 4 to realising they're taking 10 if you can pitch 2-3 costs as part of meeting that cost which is great um, so that's been quite funny um, and what else has sort of jumped out at me that's probably my, my two favourites. What do you what do you like out of the generics there? Uh, generic um, actions. Uh, I was going to say the generic equipment. Like I really like uh, the Snapdragon boots. I, I think they're actually very very underrated. At how good that is. I think I first picked that over any card. Right. Yeah. It gives you a target attack action with cost one or less gets go again. Um, played as an attack reaction. Yeah, that sounds sounds amazing. And especially since because you just have it from the start of every game. <laughs> yeah, mainly because you can pick your spots and because it's an attack uh, reaction, not because it's an action. Yeah. Where a and lot of the other ones are the actions where you, your opponent can kind of see the turn coming. When you have that card just lying there, they're not exactly sure how much they should commit to blocking or not. Yeah, they either stuff up and ignore it or they spend every turn worrying about it. Um, which both seem like fine options. And the thing it lets you do as well, it just lets you run cards in your deck that you normally wouldn't run. Like it, if you've got that in no other legs, then you can run Snatch in your Guardian deck, you know, or um, if you happen to get Enlightened Strike as well, that's, that feels amazing, being able to choose to draw a card and go again. Uh-huh. And, don't, and you don't have to have 14 targets for it. You just have to, you're only going to do it once a game. So if, if, if all of your deck is three cost except for two cards, it's still going to do something. Exactly, like uh, if a turn is on average about maybe three, four turns in draft or sealed, then uh, you can kind of figure out the average if you're expected to hit the target. Yeah. And the yeah. only cost you're really giving up is maybe blocking for one if you actually open the other boots. Yeah, 
yeah, I'm sure it can output more than that if you, oh, yeah. if you do it right. <laughs> um, and even maybe onto pumping Flock of the Feather Walkers with it. So that's that a card already attacks for a decent amount and it grants the Quicken token, which lets you go again. So if you give that go again, then all of a sudden you're cracking it with another attack action and maybe a weapon swing on top of that. So yeah, it uh, represents represents a lot of um, a lot of threat. I actually don't think giving Flock of the Fur Walkers go again with the boots is very good because the Quicken token makes it next attack go again already. So you're kind of wasting it. But if you, I mean, if you can spend it right, if you can. Oh yeah, if you're in the position to use it straight away, I, I can see the value in it. But I, I always try to just make um, Flock of the Fur Walkers the last attack if I go again. Oh, nice what you're saying. No, because now you've got two things that go again and you waste it. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. That's actually garbage. <laughs> We're that learning new things every day. Okay. <laughs> well, then maybe you edit that part out. Replace it Replace it with this. Got to be careful with the flock of the feather walkers, though. It is a bit of a trap for young players. And as the uh, winner of the Flesh and Blood World Premier Championship, um, I can say with authority that you'd want to make sure that you don't end up breaking that. So, yeah, just you heard it here first. Can you say the word not? Now, so I can add that in front. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that, that's definitely a hot take. <laughs> nice one. Um, to tell you, last ditch effort seems like a really odd super rare, but it's just a really good card on Guardian. It's just, it doesn't, it, it could be blank text. Just doesn't matter. Just 3 3 3. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, a lot of people say that for. Uh... There's a generic card, I forget what it's called, but it's something Onslaught, Brutal Onslaught, maybe? Yeah, yeah, the one with the uh, uh, Raging Onslaught. Raging Onslaught, correct. Yeah, that card, I mean, that's, that's cards. It looks like it's turning up in constructed lists. Um, just does everything you want it to do. Yeah, it's just good margins across the board. Yeah. There's like a version for Brute, a version for Guardian, and uh, a yellow version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's no, it's, it's cool. I mean, the yellow version, uh, actually, the yellow version is better in Brute. Oh, it, it hits for six, right? The yellow, the base is fine. Yeah, you'd actually yeah. rather Yeah, it's have actually the better yellow. than seven. You're, you're yeah, you'd actually rather have the yellow because... Well, now let it. me amend my statement. And so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, no, so there's... Uh, yeah, it's really enjoyable. Hey, look, one thing we probably should talk about um, is, uh, card, is the cycles. Um, we're talking about yellow, blue, and red, and for those who maybe um, are following along because they think we're amazing and don't actually know what this game is about, maybe we should uh, you should touch on touch on that. Well, just the concept of cycles. Yeah, the, the different colours and how we didn't know about it in the IRD. And... Oh yeah, when that got dropped, uh, my my jaw literally hit the floor as well. So the. The cycle is a concept that every card printed at rare and common rarities will have three durations. Uh, they pitch for three, two, and one, so that's how, how many resources they add. And their value increments and dec decrements based on that. So the value that pitches for three is the lowest impact. So if a pitch three card uh, attacks for one damage, the pitch two card will attack for two damage, and the pitch one card will attack for three damage. And uh, this also scales for uh, defense reactions as well, uh, how much they defend for. And some of them have unique uh, traits where the amount of their abilities on certain actions will actually influence as well, like how much damage they'll add or 
stuff like that. The yeah, only like exception, the yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Like um, <laughs> it, it, it all feels intuitive and nice, and has added a lot of depth into how to actually judge certain variations. The only exception is potion strength, potion of energy, and time snap potion. That is the only um, cycle that doesn't exist. Yeah, it must be. Um, it must be an attack action thing. Whereas, oh no, not everything no, else every, is attack action. Every card at rare and common, except for those three cards. I think those three cards are kind of like a sub cycle themselves. Like they're three potions. I guess. That's kind oh, of okay. Like... They're they are item. Oh, maybe it's the item type. Yeah, or maybe it's just. Maybe it's that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, you're right. Those are the only ones that are, that are different. Um, I when I first saw it, I mean, you said your jaw hit the floor. When I saw it, I was like, ooh. And then about two minutes later, I was like, wow, I love this. Um, and there's two reasons why. The the first was, as we're playing with the Iron deck, we had these color bands across the top. And they're like, yeah, these are the power, the reds are your power cards and blue are your pitch cards. And it re I just, it did not sit well with me at all. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Like, why does red mean one and why does blue mean three? I, I look at the number at the top, three means three. Like, look at these three little circles. That's what it means, I pitch it for three. And I didn't get it at all. I was actually, and I was actually really disappointed with that. I was like, oh, this isn't... It's lazy, right? It yeah, lazy. well, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't seem, no, it seemed more, yeah, it may be lazy, it seemed like unnecessary, like, why are you ruining the aesthetic of these cards with these random colours, and so that was, I was like, that's, that felt a bit disappointing, and the second bit was when I saw the set, when I saw the card list, it was like, 18 commons for brute, 9 rares for, how, we're not even, how are we going to know what these cards do, that's way too big, and it's going to be too hard for new players, or too hard for any player to just, see what's going on to learn the set even to just like collect cards and then when i saw the cycles i was like just oh my goodness my two biggest concerns had been flipped around into just this awesome thing wow the colors show me they allow me to allow me to talk about the cards at the different level as we have been doing today red scar and you know blue scar that's been great and i just love what it's doing and then also it adds more it's, it still has lots of options with cards, but it just brings the brain space right down to a much smaller set of cards that, to work with. And then it opens up design, like deck construction space. It's like, oh, I probably want to play Drone of Brutality in this deck, but oh, do I play, do I play Drone of Brutality as red and Snatch as blue, or do I play Snatch as blue and, or Snatch as red? And, you know, just it just opens up all this amazing design space and people could turn up with what would look like a similar list only to realize that they've just done the colors in all different directions and i was really excited about it i, I think it's really innovative um and i'm really really impressed by it really impressed yeah like uh, i think it's kind of intuitive like uh, there are less unique cards per se but there are actually way more permutations and options which is fantastic and like it is easier to understand what all the cards do because you realize oh that's a uh, blackout kick oh which version of blackout kick is that oh i kind of can infer what that is based on the color it's, uh, yeah it's exactly great. and something that was pointed out to me is that other card games actually do this they just do it sneakily across multiple sets and and sell it as new card but really you go hang on this is just the three cost version of that and this, this is the four cost version okay these things got just do all the same thing at different costs and okay now that the block's finished i can put them all into my deck and they've got different names um, and different pictures and no real connection but actually they just do the same thing at least here it's all up front and you know 
you know, are you playing nine demolition crews? Okay, I know what that card. I know what you're doing. It's, so it actually just makes it much easier. It's much more open and um, yeah, really impressed. Really impressed by it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. With you. Awesome. <laughs> so the the game is great. Like that's it. It's settled. <laughs> Yeah, done, done and dusted. It's settled here. Anyone who thinks the game is not great uh, is clearly wrong. And, uh, How dare they, they be entitled to, to an opinion? <laughs> they just need to listen to this podcast and they will soon realize that, uh, yeah, the error of their ways. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's all good. All right, dude. Um, well, it's... Uh, That's the hour mark, pretty much. T- yeah, 10.30 here in New Zealand. We like to say that we're two hours and 14 years ahead of Australia. So that's <laughs> coming up to... 1030 um any final thoughts that you wanted to wanted to run over or i'm just really excited for this weekend and i hope that um we laugh at ourselves uh, with all our like estimations and just be like yep we're idiots <laughs> yeah and just get just get wrecked by um you know i'm gonna lose to blue sigil of solace now uh hopefully it's harder fandal but okay <laughs> <laughs> almost the same <laughs> almost almost the same um yeah no, it's so excited i've had this on the calendar for a long time now and most of my uh spare moments have just been thinking this is going to be good which is terrible i tend to do this i obsess about things and build it up and you know i'm probably just going to go three seven and then i'm going to be heartbroken but that's right you gotta gotta be in to win yeah gotta be um, there gotta be there gotta be there love it well, um, I have to thank you so much for appearing on this first episode of Insert Podcast Name here. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's been fantastic chatting to you both now and our prior when we got to know each other a little bit more. Oh, good. Cheers, Sashina. Thank you so much for the invite. Um, yeah, I always, always love to chat about games and theorize about games. And um, yeah, certainly a good one to do that with here. Appreciate your time. No worries. You too. Two more episodes in the future. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Catch you later. Bye. Catch you. Thanks.